sing that song before we looked at the text that we are going to today because I want to help you understand that the Bible that we hold in our hands of Christ. He is the entire theme of this book. And if you study the book of Hebrews very carefully, you will discover that the Lord has told us that what we call the old is nothing more than a shadow of the new. And this book will focus on covenants. The one that is said to be the old covenant given to the people of Israel through Moses. But that old covenant was meant to shadow the work of Christ so that we would never miss who he is. And if you will begin to read your Bible with that thinking, you will find Christ everywhere. Just as we sang, Adam was the first man. Christ is the second man. He is the last man. For the story of the Bible is the story of two men and the people they represent. And God made a covenant through Abraham so that we could get another glimpse in that covenant of the Father's Son that was beloved, who was going to be offered up on a mountain. And that act was a shadow of the work of Christ on Mount Calvary. And I mentioned to you that Moses focuses on the law, on righteousness, on obedience to God, and then has all those animal sacrifices. And they were nothing but shadows of the coming obedient one who would offer his life as an atonement for sin. Christ is better than Adam. He's better than Isaac. He's better than Moses. And then we sung that he's better than David. For David will be a king over his people, but Christ is a king over his people. And as you march through the shadows, all of them are taking us to the reality in the new covenant work of Christ. And as I study this new covenant work of Christ in the second half of my Bible, it is written to the people of God. It is written to the churches of God all over the world. And you will carefully discover in your reading that this is all about learning to obey the Lord. God's call on the life of his people has always been obedience to God. Because isn't it true that Adam disobeyed and we're descendants of him? And isn't it true that all of us, just like Adam, have transgressed God's covenant of obedience? Isn't that true? 
It's true about my life. It's true about your life. And so as that song sang from the beginning to the end, I couldn't help but think about this new year. We're starting 2023 together. You know how the first week began, right? Look back on this first week. Look at everything that took place in your life this first week. Are you ashamed of anything in that first week? But this is the start. What will be the story at the end of 2023? Isn't it true that built into our own hearts is a desire for new things, new beginnings? I know that I love new beginnings. I'm very thankful that God, when he created time, didn't create just one eternal day. I mean, he could have, right? And yet he gave us a day of 24 hours. And it seems as though every single morning we wake up with hope. For we remember that his mercy is renewed when? Every single morning. So we look for a new day. We come to the end of a week. And it's almost like today, the first day of the sevens. With anticipation, we look forward to what this new week is going to bring us. And we're thankful that last week is over. Isn't that true? So we have days, new beginnings. We have weeks, new beginnings. And then God gives us a month. And each one of us were born in a certain month of the year. And we remember our birth in that month. And we remember all the different events in our yearly calendar. But isn't it true that we're thankful that last year is over? And now we have a new beginning? We hunger for that. And the promise of God in this entire book is that He is a God of new beginnings. And even this world, in all of its corruption, in all of its fallenness, is someday going to be made new. But I'll tell you what God wants to make for us individually. God wants to make every single one of us in this room a new creation in Christ. And so I would like to bring to you today this text from Jeremiah chapter 31. And then I'm going to read a text from Ezekiel chapter 36. A text that focuses on the new covenant in Christ. And at the end of our time together, we are going to celebrate the table of the Lord, which is a reminder and a way for us to refocus on new covenant people.
There are a lot of people in churches all over the world that are not new creation in Christ. When I was a child, I was sprinkled as a baby in a church. But that did not make me part of God's new covenant people. I attended a church for a number of years and sat under the preaching of the Word of God. But being in that church and hearing the Word of God did not make me part of the new covenant people. It took a supernatural work of God in my life and in my heart that the Word of God calls conversion. And God started something new in me. He turned me from resisting Him and running from Him. He turned me to Himself and gave me a new way of thinking and He gave me a new spirit and He gave me a new direction. And unless you have experienced that in your life, do not console yourself that you're part of the people of God. For there has been such a watering down of the preaching of the gospel of God in this age that our churches are full of unconverted people. And they don't understand the new covenant. Their lives are not being transformed. They're not being changed. As I opened up with the delighting in the law of God and the statutes of God, they still have a heart that wants to resist that law, that demand by God, that call for obedience. They're resisting it, and they're pursuing their own desires in rebellion against God, and there's no repentance in their life. My friend, do not console yourself that you're part of the people of God unless you can look at your life and see a repentant faith that longs for the law of God and delights in obedience to God. Until that has taken place in your life, you are lost. And I call you to Christ and an understanding of what this new covenant is all about. We've got to understand it if you'll ever experience it. And so here in Jeremiah 31, we read this incredible promise that God made to the nation of Israel. And he said, behold, and by the way, I want to stop right there. This word in the Hebrew is asking all of us literally to stop what we're doing, to stop what's distracting us, to stop what we're listening to, and with all of our attention and all of our heart to focus on what God is going to tell us. 
That's what that word behold means. It just says, turn your head from all the distractions and turn right up so that you can listen to the God of heaven. And God says this, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. What covenant is he referencing there? The covenant that I made with them when I delivered them from the land of Egypt. What covenant is he talking about? The Ten Commandments, the covenant that he brought on Mount Sinai, which you read about in the second book of our Bible. You find it in a book called Exodus, because that book is all about him bringing them out of the land of Egypt. They are exiting the land of Egypt, and after he exited them by his mighty hand, he brought them to Mount Sinai and entered into a covenant with them and told them, I will be your God and you will be my people. And here is what I expect of my people. Here is my covenant demands, and they are the Ten Commandments. And he gave them to those people. And I hope you understand, and you've heard me say this many times, that this entire first part of the Bible focuses on those people and their covenant relationship to God. That's what this is all about, this Old Testament or Old Covenant. That is what Hebrews is referencing. And this entire half is about them as the people of God in this covenant relationship with God. And God promised them that if they would keep their side, their, their, their obedience to my covenant, he said, I'll be your people. I'll be your God. Don't miss that. If you're obedient... I'll be your God. But in the fifth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, he comes to them a second time in in chapter 5. He gives the covenant demands again in chapter 5. And it is in that book that God says this to those people. If you do not keep the covenant, this land that I promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this land that I brought you back to after redeeming you, this land, you're not going to stay in this land. Matter of fact, I'm going to scatter you among the nations of the world because you didn't obey the covenant. Are are you with me? And so this part of the Bible is the story of those people and their inability to remain in the land because of their disobedience to the covenant. They did not have a heart to obey God as a nation. 
Now, were, were there people within that nation that sought God, whose heart has changed, who obeyed God? And the answer is yes, they're called a remnant. A remnant. Not the whole nation, but a remnant. And as you read their history, you discover that God is going to focus on their disobedience to covenant demands, and then He's going to show us in the Old Testament two times when He removes them from the land because they're not obedient to Him. And the first time he does that is in 722 B.C. And he brings in the Assyrians in the land of Israel and takes out ten of the tribes. They go into exile and begin to be scattered all over the world. Why? Because they didn't obey the Lord. That is not what was in their heart. And then 586 B.C., The prophet Jeremiah, whose text we are reading today, is preaching when God takes the last two tribes, sons of Jacob, and removes them from the land. The Babylonians come in, and now they're scattered around the world. Why? Because they didn't have a heart to obey the Lord. Do you understand this afternoon that the issue of my life and your life is your relationship to obeying the Lord? And you can tell whether or not you are a part of the true people of God. You and I don't need to be physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God uses those people to teach us He has a people. But He has a people that are made up of men and women from every tongue and tribe and nation. But from all the nations of the world, God is gathering a new people. And there is something that will be true about their lives. And you can determine even today whether or not you're a part of those people by your reaction to the call for obedience from God. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that you've been born again, you have a new creation, that you're a part of the people of God if the uninterrupted pattern of your life is disobedience. Are you with me? God is going to do something new for the nation of Israel. He's going to have to make a new covenant. And the reason for that, my covenant which they broke. Was there anything wrong with the Ten Commandments? Not a thing wrong with the Ten Words. Matter of fact, the Bible calls the law of God holy and righteous. That law of God, those ten words, are a reflection of who God is in His holiness, in His character, in His glory. It's like this. 
When my children lived in my house, they had to follow my house rules. Because it was a reflection of who I am and who my wife is. Isn't that true about your own family and your own upbringing? The law of God is a reflection of who God is. And there is no way, no way he's going to live forever with a disobedient people in his house eternally. He cannot do it. And so we've got a problem. The nation of Israel broke the commandments, not because there was something wrong with the commandments. There was something wrong with them. And that something that was wrong with them is the same thing that's wrong with us. Do you understand that? It's because who we are in Adam. But this new covenant, as we begin a new year, is what I want you to focus on. And he would say in verse 33, but this is the covenant that I will make. Over and over again in this text, you'll see the expression, I will. Verse 31, I will make. Verse 33, I will make. I will put my law. I will write it. I will be their God. I will forgive their iniquity, verse 34. You know what that's teaching us about this text and this new covenant? Is that it was all initiated by God. There's not a thing you're going to contribute to it. It's what God has done in this new covenant work. So there's nothing wrong with the law of God. There's something wrong with us. Because there was something wrong with us, God determined that He was going to do something. He was going to make a new covenant. And a new people. And look at what he says here. This is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Look at this. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I'll write it. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach each man his neighbor, and each man For they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. I'm going to come back to this text, but I want to read you from Ezekiel chapter 36, where he's talking again about this new covenant. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus declares the Lord, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for my holy name, which you've profaned among the nations where you went. God is going to do this new covenant work for His name's sake, for who He is, 
not because of who we are, but he's the divine initiator for the glory of his character and his name. And because of that, the nations will know that I'm the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations where he had scattered them, and I will gather you from all the lands, and I'm going to bring you into your own land. There has begun a trickle, a trickle of scattered Jewish people coming back to the land of Israel, but it is but a trickle. The day will come at the coming of Christ where this trickle will turn into a stream and turn into a river. And from all the nations of the Lord world, the Lord is going to gather the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and bring them back to Israel. But he'll do it at the coming of Christ, and he'll do it because their hearts are going to be radically converted at the coming of Christ. And they will truly become the people of God. Are you with me? So I continue to read. I'll sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all of your idols. He'll cleanse from all filthiness and all sinfulness. And when you think of idols, you think of the ten words and, and those opening commands where God says, do not make an image, right? But God is going to take a people and cleanse them. And I will give you a new heart. Do you have a new heart? And I'll put a new spirit within you. Is there a new spirit within you? And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh uh, and give you a heart of what? Flesh. Why does he use the image of stone? Why over and over again, when you read about the people of Israel and you read about their heart in this section of history, you discover over and over again that God calls their heart stone and stubborn. Why do you think he does that? He wrote the law on Mount Sinai on stone. It was an external thing. It was not internal. It was on stone. Because that stone was a picture of their heart, which was hardened against obedience to God. The problem has always been about obedience to God. And the tablets on Mount Sinai reflected the hardness of their heart and the law being external. Why is it that just about every single command on the law, humanity resists it? Do we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength? That's the first part of the law. The second part of the law is about my relationship to other people. Did you always obey your parents and honor your parents? 
God told us to. Why did we resist it? Why did we think it doesn't apply to us? It's because our hearts were what? As hard as stone. Do not commit adultery. Why do people pursue adultery and the pleasures of their flesh? Because for them, the law of God is not to be submitted to. It's to be resisted. Obedience to God's call on my life, resisted. Why is it that we find it convenient to look around and take things that don't belong to us and steal? And we do it with immunity. They do it without immunity in this city every single day. And we watch it with our eyes and we've gotten to the place where those that are leading this nation are allowing it to take place. So you can walk out of a drugstore in New York with hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of stuff that you've stolen and you'll walk right past security guards. They'll do nothing. And then that's excused as maybe they were poor and couldn't afford it. It's okay. My friend, it is not okay. It does not reflect who God is. And we could go all the way through those Ten Commandments. You see, the problem is that humanity needs a cleansing and a new life and a new heart and a new spirit. And the law of God will not be external. It's going to be written where? In the mind, in the heart of man. And now you have a new way of thinking. You have a new direction in your life. And it is a life of obedience to God. That is what this new covenant work is all about. A work that God will do in the hearts of men and women as they enter this new covenant relationship which is found in Jesus Christ. If there's any question as to whether or not this covenant relationship is found in Jesus, all you have to do is read Isaiah chapter 42 and chapter 49 when the 11, 10 tribes are going into captivity by taken out by the Assyrians. And in those two chapters, the Lord Jesus Christ is said to be a covenant for the people. Jesus Christ is the only human being in human history that has kept the commands of God. A perfect, obedient son. Do you understand this? And not only is he one that has kept the law of God perfectly as a human being, but he also is the one that lay his life down at Mount Calvary as an offering for the disobedience of his people. He lived for me and he died for me. He is the covenant for his people. And in that same text, I'm thankful that it goes on and says this, and he's a light to the nations. Hanging up in the front of this building is a big metal cross. 
And the words on the cross are what? Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus, the light of the nations. For he came to illuminate, to give us revelation as to who God is. You want to know what God is like? Look at the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the who? The Father. He's brought us to understand who God is and how we can be reconciled to Him. And He's going to do it through His new covenant work. So yes, there's a new covenant as we start this new year. And this new covenant can bring a new standing. Just like God said, I'm going to remove you from the lands that I've scattered you to because of your disobedience. I'm going to bring you back into the land. I'm going to change the standing of judgment and bring you to great reward. This is what Christ will do in his new covenant work. He has removed from us the judgment of God. God's judgment does not rest on you if you're part of the new covenant people. Do you understand that? When I think of this new covenant, I'm thankful for what Ezekiel says. It's going to bring a new cleansing from all filthiness and law-breaking. I want you to just pause for one second. Don't say anything out loud. But I want you to look back on your life and I want you to think of the highlight points of disobedience to God. They're coming back to you, aren't they, in your memory? Yes? Yeah, they are. How do you feel about those things? Aren't you ashamed? You're ashamed. Time right now will not erase from our memory all of our disobedience to God. But I'll tell you what will. This new covenant work of Christ is so glorious, so powerful, so final. That if you are in Christ, all filthiness is cleansed. Matter of fact, it's, it's forgiven. The text says, I will forgive. What is forgiveness? That word literally means to dismiss our sin. Do you know how you can truly know if you've forgiven some human being? If they come to you in a humble repentance and acknowledge what they have done is wrong and ask for you to forgive them. What are they asking for you to do? They're asking for you to dismiss this transgression from their thinking and not hold it against them. That's forgiveness. And that was illustrated on the Day of Atonement when the scapegoat, two goats on atonement, scapegoat, the high priest confessed the sin of the people on the head of that scapegoat. And what happened to that scapegoat? It was what? led away into the wilderness and dismissed 
from the people. What a picture of God's forgiveness. So it doesn't matter whether our mind remembers all of our disobedience to the covenant. I want you to know that this covenant, God says He'll dismiss our sin, He'll forgive our sin, and we'll be clean in His sight. Do you long for that, my friend? Have you understood and experienced that, my friend? You can as you start 2023 and embrace the new covenant way of God. But this new covenant, as we read, brings a new way of thinking, doesn't it? I changed the way I think. Whereas the law was external, that law is now written on my mind, on my heart. And I can say, as the psalmist said, Oh, how I delight in your law. Do you delight in obedience to God? Is that the direction of your life? Have you experienced that radical, transforming power of the gospel of God to come into your life and make it new? A new way of thinking. There has been a repent. You know the word repent literally means to change your mind. And with that changing of mind, it changes the direction of your life. And you're not running from God. You have repented. You have turned back to your Creator, back to God. And the passion of your life now is to know who He is. So there is a new covenant that will bring you into a new standing out of judgment and a new cleansing from filthiness and a new way of thinking. The law not external, but it's written on your heart. And you'll be a new people with a new relationship with God. You will pursue Him and you will want to know God. I have never seen God. Have you? Something inside of me wishes I was on the earth 2,000 years ago when I could have watched the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would have seen a perfect, obedient son who not only loved God, but he loved his neighbor. The Lord Jesus is a picture of what God wants to do in transforming all of us to become more like who? Christ. And we'll never arrive in this life. Never. <clears throat> but I'll tell you what will happen when he returns in all of his glory. The promise of this new covenant is that when I see him, I'm going to be like him. For I'll see him as he is. And one final thought. What a covenant this is. He puts the law in the heart. But you say, Bill, how can I keep the law? 
How can I have this new obedience to God in my life? There's only one way. And that is what is stated here in Ezekiel. When he puts this new spirit of regeneration, this new change, he brings a transforming power in verse 27 by his spirit. I'll put my spirit within you, and I'll cause you to do what? To walk in my statutes, and you'll be careful to observe my ordinances. Do you not see that, my friend? There is something that is true about people that have entered into a new covenant relationship with God in Christ. They have the Spirit of God to enable them to obey. You know why you and I keep disobeying the Lord? We've come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've repented of our disobedience. We have acknowledged that Jesus is the one who gives us forgiving grace. That's the beginning. But there's something different about the way I think now. I want to know God, but I want to obey God. Even in my disobedience, I feel shame when I disobey. And I'm quick to do what? I'm quick to repent and seek the forgiveness that is mine in Christ. But the direction of my life has changed, and I've discovered, and so have you, that if I am ever going to walk with God in obedience, I need the power of the Spirit of God within me. And I'm not alone. When the Lord left 2,000 years ago, He didn't leave me on this planet all alone. He sent His Spirit, and so did the Father. And if you and I will walk with the Spirit, we will not fulfill the what? The lusts of our flesh. Until the day we are removed from this body and given a transformed body, we will struggle with temptation. And as I sung that song, I chose some of these songs deliberately today. Do you ever feel as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ that you're traveling on the ocean of life and your sails have been ripped And you look at your disobedience to God and you're full of shame. And you're longing for obedience. We have God's Spirit. And I want to challenge you to do something. The next time you are tempted to disobey. I want you to call on the blessed Spirit of God and say, Spirit of the Lord, I need you right now. And if you read the New Covenant Scriptures, 
and you look at the life of the obedient son, you'll see something that's true about him. The very body that he lived in was prepared by the Spirit of God in the womb of Mary, the virgin. And when he started his ministry at 30 years old, at his baptism, the Spirit came down. And there's a quotation from heaven. The Father says something, and what he says is what's found in the first verses of chapter 42 of Isaiah. The chapter that contains him as the covenant It opens. Why? So we can identify that this is the covenant for the people. And it begins at his baptism, but the Spirit comes down. And after the baptism, it says, he's led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God, allowed to face in the wilderness the test of obedience. The first Adam lost it in a garden, but Christ held on to his obedience in the desert. How? Through the power of the Spirit. And then the text tells us that the Spirit led him out of the wilderness, and he began his public ministry, and over and over again it tells us how he performed it. How did he do those miracles? Through the inherent power of deity as the Son of God, No, the text tells us that he performed those miracles through the power of the Spirit. And then you read the text and you discover that the Bible says that he made his way to Mount Calvary. And he offered up himself to God as a sacrifice through the power of the Spirit. And then you discover that he was raised from the dead by the Father by himself, and by the Spirit, and was on this globe 2,000 years ago for 40 days. And he preached, the Bible says, the kingdom of God through the power of the Spirit. So, dear believer, Those of you who have repented (coughs) and are living a life of repentant faith in Christ, understand that it's a call to obedience through the power of God's Spirit. Those are the ones that are truly covenant people of God. Is the law of God written on your heart? Do you have a new direction? Are you seeing your life being transformed? Do you long for obedience? Do you long to know who God is? Are you willing to humble yourself in a repentance as you disobey the Father? And are you crying out for the power of the Spirit? This is the new covenant.
are you part of it? My friend, you can become part of it. You look at your life, see all of your failure, all of your shame, all of your sin, thinking that you're going to have to enter eternity this way. Oh, no, my friend. God will make a new covenant with you in Christ. If you will humble yourself and admit that you are a lawbreaker and that your only hope is Christ, the anchor, and you will ask the Lord Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior and confess that he is none other than the Lord from heaven, and you believe that he lived for you, died for you, and rose again, you call on him and he will save you from your sin. And the Spirit of God will enter you and give you a new life and a new heart and a new mind and a new direction and a passion to know who God is. And you will hunger for obedience. And you will change. You and I will not be the same people at the end of 2023 that we are starting 2023 with. (coughs) If this new covenant work has taken place in our heart. And we'll spend this year in obedience to the Lord. So don't tell me you're saved. Don't tell me you're a part of the covenant people if you don't desire to obey. I leave you with the final words of Jesus. When he left us, he told his people to go into all the world and make disciples. Make followers of me. Are you following the Lord? If your life has begun to follow the Lord, then he says this. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that that symbol of water will speak of this cleansing of the new covenant work of Christ. But he doesn't stop there. He says this. Going, baptizing, and thirdly, he says this. Teaching them to observe what? All that I have commanded you. May the call of this church, may the call of this pulpit be a call for an obedient people to God. For truly they will be known eternally as the people of God. And your obedience will be through the power of God's Spirit. Because your heart and your faith is resting on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and him alone to save. Let's pray.